All right. Good morning, tribe. Awesome. Uh, I did a little. I did a little digging this week, and uh, I was so one thing led to another as I, I, I couldn't help myself. This whole series began with the thought from Genesis that you know it's not good. Genesis two. It's not good for the men to be alone. It's just not a good thing. And now we're learning it's not good mentally. Um, we're, we're learning that it's not good um, physically, emotionally, spiritually. That God just made us just the way that we, we are made. And I think we sort of know this, but it, it came to me in a real stark way as I was digging in to the series to do some research. And I came across something and a guy who cited some research where he said, do you know you can take a baby and feed a baby and if you don't touch the baby, it can die. Now this is incredible. That you can give it the, the nourishment, but if you don't touch the baby, if you don't hold it, certain things are not stimulated in an infant. When I thought about that, I go, that's it. That's, that's the whole message. We're dying because we're not connected. And our whole culture, in a very subtle, crafty serpent-like way is being drawn into isolation and aloneness. And so I, I wanted this series to be our attempt to swim upstream against any of that in any way so that we could find ourselves again in a family, in a place of belonging. The, let me just say it plainly this way. The worst thing that, one of the worst things that you could ever do to yourself is to have no tribe, is to go tribeless, to be isolated and to be alone. The, the craving, the need for us to be connected is so strong that a lot of times what people will do is they will find a bad tribe and they will connect with bad people rather than be alone. Have you seen this? There's all kinds of people that find their tribe in a gang or some other type of a thing where it's not good for them. And a lot of times they even know it, but it's, it's as if the need is so strong. I have to connect at least, at least I connect with these people. And what we're learning is all of God's creation is connected. It's all intertwined. And basically, we either realize it or we resist it. I was reading a, a story about a, a world record mountain climber. And it's, it's not territory I'm, I'm very familiar with. I mean, uh, Mount Holly is about as big as it's gotten for me. Uh, but... I mean, these people are incredibly gifted, incredibly trained, incredibly skilled, um, and uh, 
this particular climber was going for a world record in, in, in doing uh, all the major climbs in a certain amount of time. And if some of you follow this story, um, this climber and the team got to K2, which is not the highest, if you know it, but most people will say the most difficult, the most technical, uh, even though it's not as, as high as Mount Everest, unbelievably technical climb. And you can imagine the euphoria and the enthusiasm about breaking a world record. Like You could become known as one of the greatest climbers in human history. If you've ever watched one of these documentaries, I mean, it's, it's unbelievably intense. And yet, as the team got close to the top of the mountain, they came upon a, a rope fixer who had fallen. Some of you know, like the rope fixers, they go ahead of these people to set ropes and things for them so they can make their ascent. And, and had fallen over to the side and was not doing well. Clearly in danger, as you can very quickly, of losing, losing your life there. And this team, I, I wasn't there. If you've read stories about it, there's all kinds of arguing about what happened, what didn't happen. But there's footage that shows people stepping over this person. And they went on to the top and they left one person behind to try to help this person. But the person that fell, the rope fixer that fell, ended up dying. And they got the world record. And they came back. As you can imagine, because of the video footage, because of the pictures, man, the world came unglued. How, how can you step over a dying person to win a world record? And, and what kind of party can that be? I mean, because if you, if you break a record like that, you know you're going to have a party. I mean, you... Now, I wasn't there, and I'm, and I'm not, you know, privy enough to accuse and declare the verdict, but viscerally, everybody knew that that's just not what you do. Well, they might not have made it anyway, and I've heard that. And, but doesn't something inside you say, whether this person makes it or not, I, maybe I need to just give every ounce of my last breath to just try to get their body, dying body back to camp, not to step over them. Something's broken in our society. It's moved way too much to being about me. I don't even know how you look at the plaque or the trophy or the, how do you enjoy it? All I want to ask you to do today is just a simple thing. Turn your life from me to we. That's it. Turn your life from me to we. It's the greatest transition, the greatest conversion that you'll ever have. You can say, I remember I was converted when I was this age. Yeah, but... But if your life didn't turn from me to we, you got another conversion coming. If, 
if, if the extent of your life, you know, if it revolves around you and your accomplishments and your name, and it, it's not just that it's bad for everyone else, which it is bad for everyone else. Can I say this as plainly as possible? It's really bad for you. It's really bad for you. A life that completely revolves around the self ends up being horribly bad for you. There's an interesting story that Jesus told. It's from Luke 16, and he talks about this person who was, who was well off. And Jesus says, Luke 16, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen. Now, usually when these stories are in the scripture, they're, all the details, they kind of matter. And, and purple, what we know is that like, you couldn't just go buy a purple shirt. You know, like at the, at the uh, tribal dinner last night, we handed out lays to everybody, and, and Charlie got a purple lay. And then she went home, and she was getting ready for bed, and I was helping with the cleanup crew, and, you know, and Vicky sent me a message to say, can you find Charlie's lay? And I'm sure, I'll just get her one. She goes, well, it's not that simple. We're going to need the purple one. Anybody have a four-year-old? We're going to need you to locate the purple one. So amidst all the things that we've had, all the sweat and everybody doing to set up this dinner, you know, I have to stop sweet Shelly, my assistant, and go, we really need to find a purple lay. But we can get purple like this in our day, but not then. And it was reserved for people who are well off. Not anyone could just get purple. And not anyone could just get linen. Fine linen, it says. I, I, I did all kinds of research about linen, and I, one of the things that I, I learned was that linen was, you know, like used for like royalty and priests. Linen was so valued that it was actually used like money. So right away, Jesus is painting a very clear picture here. What's he saying? This guy was loaded. And, and, uh, he lived, he went on to say, he lived in luxury every day. Then the next verse, he says, at his gate, at his gate. How many gated communities did they have back then? It's, it's, it's one thing to have money. It's one thing to have luxury. It's another thing to have a gate. What's the gate? What do, you, what, do you use, what do you use the gate for? Keep people out. This is where you start to get the clue with Jesus' storytelling. What a storyteller he was. At his gate, there was a beggar named Lazarus. So you get the idea that he'd come up right to this guy's gate. The guy would be annoyed by him. He had sores all over him. He looked disgusting. Dogs would come up and lick the sores. Oh, I could just, I can't look. You're ruining my day. Hurry up and close the, close the gate so I don't have to look at that. Everything that I'm reading is connected to what I call the law of unintended consequences. And here's what I mean. Sometimes things, anybody ever, 
have this happen in your life, the law of unintended consequences, like I did this and I didn't think this was gonna happen. Anybody with me? All of the wealth, all of the luxury, to be, to live in the wealthiest, the wealthiest planet, not just the wealthiest uh, country in the planet, on the whole globe, not just in today's time, but in all of human history, that's where we are, has had some unintended consequences. See, because he had the fine linen, because he had the purple, because he had the luxury, he also had a gate. He could shut people, what? Shut them out. For the first time in our life, human history, we can shut people out of our lives. Anybody here got a garage door opener? I got my hand up. I didn't used to. Trust me, I got my hand up because I'm half proud of it. I'm actually kind of really proud of it because the one I had before really sucked. I, I really enjoy my garage door opener. But you know one of the things that happens? I can come home. I can hit the button. I can drive in. Give a nod like this to, if I see a neighbor. If they're having trouble with anything, I make sure I don't look so they don't see me. If someone's struggling, don't make eye contact. You go in there, hit the button. I, go, I have a door. I don't have to go back outside. I go from the garage straight into the laundry room. I'm safe from the riffraff of my neighbors. And of course, we don't dial it up that way, but it just starts to slowly happen, doesn't it? It just starts to slowly happen. There's more gates. There's more isolation. And every single thing that I'm reading, it's saying the same thing. It says, we are just buying into more and more independence. Independence breeds isolation. Now, I don't want this to be about the condemnation of, you know, how terrible you are because you happen to be born in this country or live in this country, because that's not really going to help any of us. All they wanted to do was open our eyes and so we can say together, you know what? We need to, we need to wake up in the morning and know this is happening to us and start to swim against the current. Start to realize that isolation is pulling people apart, and as it's pulling people apart, it's making people more lonely, more depressed, and less connected. You remember the story of uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, and they get told, hey, don't, don't eat from this certain tree. May I remember? And the tree... It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just don't eat from that one. Now, how many know where this story's going? You know what I mean? Like, you didn't have to go up in Sunday school to know where this one's going. Hey, you can eat from any tree, anything you want here. Help yourself. I'm just telling you that this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, just leave that one alone. Like I said, anybody have a four-year-old? Anything you want in this cupboard, you can have. Just don't, just the one on the bottom left. Can you leave that alone? 
How many know where they're going when you turn your back? So, can I, can I have my phone? Somewhere, yeah. So, don't eat from this tree. Whatever you do. Along comes this serpent, it says. It says he was crafty. Crafty. What does that mean? Anybody ever get worked before? Anybody ever got worked over before? Huh? Anybody ever bought more car than you planned on when you walked into the dealership? Forget you guys today. I was going to give you, I gave you guys extra time today. Anybody? Anybody ever got worked before? Anybody bought something you didn't need to buy? Anybody ever got worked before? You got worked at this, like, because someone's crafty. They know their craft. They got you can do. Huh? I mean, how many know how to walk through the mall? When you walk through the mall, you don't look the people with the free samples. You don't look them in the eye because they're crafty. You don't look at them. This is free. I'm, I'm not going to charge you for this, Just even if you're not talking to anybody. You know how to get past them? All right. That was free. So they're crafty because I, I, this poor lady the other day I was in the mall. I was making a small group video for you guys today. And I was, I was doing it at the mall. And this, this poor gal she, the, at the perfume thing, you know, just like, oh, here's a free sample. Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. She took it. How many know? There's a little string attached to that free sample. And it's just four more seconds so they can ask you one more what? One more. Can I ask you one more question? Man, they're good. And if that's how you make your living, God bless you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to ruin your business, but I'm just saying, God bless you because you're good. But and I, I was just like, had my head down, I'm shaking it. And sure enough, she goes, Can I just show you one more thing? And the store, and the lady's like, Well, no, I really, no, that's okay. I'll just take a second. Boom, had her. <laughs> crafty. It says the serpent was crafty. This is important. Because the crafty is, is important because. You're not going to be told or sold ever. This is going to make you alone and isolated. That's not what you're told. You go like this. You want to smell this? Now, what's historically, what that tree, what's the fruit that's on that tree? Now, it's not legit, but what, what do we say? She took a bite of that. You see the serpent over there? Just get a whiff of this. Can you smell the likes? Can you smell them? They love you. They love you. Just feel them in. Now, of course, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad. Most of you are of age. And while I could say I worry about some of you, and that would be true, worry about myself, they now know. We now know. This is an addictive substance. It's, we now know. 
You don't have to, you don't have to, you just go find your own data. And the, and the, and the, the apps, especially certain ones, they now know, have proven, have documented it's addictive. So the serpent's crafty. He's like, what do you mean? What did God say? You're not going to die. How many know probably most people the first time they have cocaine, they don't die? They get high. It's crafty. Now, do a couple obvious things. I own one. This one is mine. I use one all the time. So do you. But if we put our heads down and just go, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you use it or how often you use it or where you use it. That's the crafty part. Don't you get it? Vicky and I have been talking about this for probably three weeks now because like, well, what are you going to tell everybody? I mean, what are you going to tell them? I said, let me be honest. I don't know. I'm like you. I, I don't know the answers. But I tell you what, that doesn't prevent me from at least being aware of the problem so I could start thinking about it a little bit more. Maybe there's some rules. Maybe there's some timeout times. Maybe there's a time that it, it's not allowed to be used in the home. I don't know. I don't know. But to put our heads down and to start shoving this apple in our mouth and say, well, it didn't affect me yet. Can some good, oh my goodness, can some good come from this? Everybody here can talk about the good. But the crafty, that's the thing. Our society is moving where we touch less. You don't touch a baby, it'll die. But we're always touching the technology. Don't touch the apple, he said. Don't touch it because you'll die. Eve touched it and she was like, well, so far so good. What are you touching? I read a story this week about his family. They, they, they got a new puppy. They were all excited. The dad was begrudging. He didn't want to, you know... And, and we all know this, like even touching dogs is good. It's like touching dogs, it like, doesn't it like lower your blood pressure and all kinds of stuff like that? So, I mean, go home and pet the dog, huh? Touch the, pet the dog. I mean, kick the cat, but pet the dog, you know? <laughs> pet him. Just, I'm, oh. You guys, some of you guys needed that. That was for you, Ted. Yes, that's a little Ted joke. They, his family got this new puppy and they loved and they loved and all of a sudden they had to go on a family trip and they put the dog in the, like the puppy hotel and they came back and when they came back the dog was like losing like cl clumps of hair when they pet the dog they were just mortified oh no they got some kind of disease at this pet, pet hotel and they brought it to the vet and the vet said tell me what's happening and they told them the whole story about how they left and they go, oh the dog just misses you Stressed out. 
Just pet him. Just pet him. They went home and started petting the dog. All the clumps of hair just started to adhere slowly. The, the, the biochemistry inside the dog was changing. It means everywhere. We were built for this. I still think, and, and, and I know you can accuse me and say, well, of course, you're, you're going to say this because you're a pastor. Okay, I know. But I still think the best tribe going is the local church. I really do. I'm going to tell you a couple of reasons why, and then we're going to share communion. I mean, if you're in a, if you're in a poker club, that's good. You can make some money. You can have some laughs. You can, it's good. Connect, rub shoulders. Well, it's good if you're not addicted to gambling, but I mean, it's good, you know. Or if you're in a swim club or just, you know, it's all, all of it's good. But nine times out of ten, they're not focused on the biggest thing, Christ. Christ is the glue of the universe, Paul says. Now we know that everything's held together by these atomic bonds, and we all, it was always there with Paul that this Christ is what holds it all together. I'm, I'm just trying to say the conversations, I've had some really good times with a lot of different people in a lot of different settings, in the golf course and surfing and everything, but they just don't get to this level. And if they do, it's quite rare. And the other thing that Jesus did is this. He taught us transcendence. No matter what divides us, no matter what divides us, no matter what you and I have difference, if it's skin color or race or religion or anything, we're brothers and sisters because of Christ. And that transcends anything that connects us. That's why I believe in the church. As crazy and old-fashioned as that sounds, that's why I believe in it. But you, you have to make a decision about your level of commitment to your tribe, to your community. That's on you. That's not on me. But I promise you this. There's a lot of crafty serpents out there selling apples. I'll tell you, yeah, well, you know, but you don't need to be there all the time. I mean, good Lord. And what I see happen all the time is what I call spiritual drift. Anybody ever skip a day at the gym? I mean, you're fine the next day. Nothing happens. You skip a week at church, you're fine. But one week turns into two, and two turns into three, and three turns into four. It's just drift. Christ was committed to the church. It's the body. We're going we're to share it together. He's going to say, this is my body, which is broken for you. 
You say, but Chris, I, I've been in some broken churches, and I don't think it's an accident that we're going to celebrate his broken body. I think that's always been there. <laughs> Who else has he got to work with? I'll start. Any broken people here? Who else, who else has he got to work with? Broken for you. It's my body. Every church you walk into is broken. Someone said to me, you know, but Chris, there's so, this is the class, this is the, like the classic line. <laughs> but Chris, there's so many hypocrites in the church. And I always, they always want me to fight back. I go, no, I go, no kidding. <laughs> I'm like, 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 no kidding. Start with the pastor. Come on, I'm a hypocrite. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to get better at it, but I am. You're not a hypocrite, too? Of course I am. Arguing with my wife one day. Not often, but it does have Sunday. Great. Great time for an argument. Oh, disagreement. What, what do you want me to say? Is that making you uncomfortable? I mean, does I... Uh, what do I got to do at church? Hi. How are you? Well, you, what do you want me to do? Come up here and go, can you believe it? How many hypocrites we got in the house today? Not proud, like not getting better, but like, you know, the beautiful thing about like AA is this first thing you gotta do is just put it out there. Hey, I'm Chris, I'm an alcoholic. Just get it out of the way. How many know we gotta get some stuff out of the way? But just because we're a bunch of hypocrites doesn't mean we can't learn about Jesus. Anybody ever seen a hypocrite on a baseball team? Am I, do I need to make my point? Anybody ever seen a hypocrite on a swim team? We live in a world of hypocrites. Okay. So we're not joining, we're not committing because of there's perfection. We're committing because there's Christ. That's why. All right, I think that's enough. I want to ask you to make a five-week five commitment today. Just, I'm going to be there. I think some of you know that if you've been around Orchard Grove, I don't call for a lot of commitment. You know, if you're new, you're like, man, that's all you did today. But, you know, maybe, maybe I felt like some of my church experience, it was, it was too much of that. So maybe I've overreacted. And maybe to our own detriment. Because you can't get something good out if you don't put something good in. And you could say that about any tribe that you belong to. You sit in the back and you leave and you judge and you... But if you jump in... You know the people who had the best time at the tribe? They're the people that are... Rolling up tables last night at 10 o'clock. Huh? We, had a, we had a table rolling contest in the back parking lot. How far can you roll one of those tables? You got to jump in. 
I want to ask you to take the Lord's Supper. I want to begin in the front. And when you come, I want you to bring your commitment. I'm in. I want you to put your card in the basket. If, you, if Some of you did it last week. A lot of you did it last week. That's fine. But as you take the communion, drop your commitment card. I'm in. For five weeks, I'm in. And then grab a bracelet if you didn't get one last week. Take the, take the elements there and then come back to your seat and then we'll all partake together, all right? Join us online as well. Grab something from the kitchen, come back and we'll partake together.
Spirit, lead me where my trust is without border. Let me walk upon the water wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. My faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the water whenever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. My faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. is without borders let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders In the presence of my the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it saying, this is my body which is broken for you, the bread. After supper, he took the cup saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. You stand with me. Our loving God, we thank you for your love for us. 
God, we pray that you will help us to lock into the tribe, to belong, to be a part, to open up ourselves, to open up our hearts, to open up our calendars, to make room for people, open up our gates so we don't find ourselves in the hell of isolation. We find ourselves in the heaven of fellowship. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Happy Sunday. God bless Orchard Grove.